good to be here this morning. We're thankful for another day. It's nice to see everyone here. I hope we're all thankful to, to God for the day. I think it's going to be a good day. It's been so, so far. The song service has been wonderful. I want to talk for a short time on optimism. I chose optimism because of the the next lesson I'm working on probably isn't so optimistic, so I'm, I'm kind of priming you for, for what's coming next, um, assuming I can get that done. It's something I've been thinking of for about six months, so we'll see if I can ever bring it, bring it together. You know, several years ago, um, some of you may know Br uh, Bob Brunson, and we were talking one day, and somebody was saying something about what was said on talk radio, and he said, you know, talk radio, that'll just put hate in your heart. And I thought, well, goodness, no, you know, you, you want to be aware, you want to be advised on what's going on in the world. And the more I thought about that statement, the more I thought, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, because what those guys are doing, they've got to do one of two things if they want to move people into action in one way or another. They've got to convince you that things are so bad in the world that I'm going to take some sort of action to try and change that. Or then to, to go the other direction and think, if you'll just do this, if you'll take these actions, then things are going to be so much better. And it's one of the two. They've got to push you in one direction or the other if they want you to take action. And probably for the last decade and a half, the red button of choice has been negativity, if we think back on it. And as we look at society and we look at the things that are going on, things are not typically ideal. Things that we see, we're very discouraged by. And they're things that we don't necessarily want to deal with, we don't want to think about, but we're in society and we deal with these things. Outside of some of these guys like Matt or Garland, you know, I remember back when COVID was going on. Everybody was locked down and everybody's lives were so different, they said... <laughs> Mine's not a lot different. All I do is go to the feed store, and other than that, I stay out on my ranch. You know, not all of us are in that situation. Our situation is much different. We go into job places, we go into schools, we go into all these different places where all of these ideas are exchanged. We go out and we have to deal with different offices, whether it's a tax office, whether it's whatever office, and we deal with these things. So this morning we want to look for a short time on, on a little more optimistic spin on all the things we've seen. Because many of the lessons I give, they point out all, all of the shortfalls of society, and that, that's unfortunate. We have to look at those things and be aware of them. But I think if we look, think, consider the things this morning, we can see that looking at it from a more optimistic view can help us in achieving our goals. So many of the things we see are in direct contradiction of what God would have us to do. And that's what's tough for us. That's the things that we don't want to see. So my goal this morning is to give more depth balance to our outlook on the things that are around us in society. You know, often the corruption of society is so predominant in the, in the media. And that's what's the, what the problem is. We see it and it's in front of us constantly if we choose to look at those things. When we study God's word, we seek to escape the constant reports of how society is falling further and further from God. 
You know, I remember Chase, the last time he was here in a meeting, he said, you know, I see the news as just a window on the world moving further and further from God. Think about that statement. You know, there's, we don't see a lot of good that comes from the news. Most of, most of the time, it's focused on the negative. And the comfort we see from the scriptures at times leaves us to overlook the things that people of those days had to deal with. When you look through that Old Testament, you see the things that people were dealing with. Many times, it was not all roses. They dealt with many things that we will never face. And they did it because of their desire to serve God. Have you ever heard anyone say, we just live in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, I've heard that. And I understand the point. I understand what they're saying. But do we really understand the severity of the evil that occurred in that city, in that time? The things that God's people faced in that time. You know, Abraham started out looking for 50 people that would serve God, and he didn't find it. And he went all the way down to 10, and he still couldn't find it. You know, things were so evil in the city that they were given several chances to find people who were righteous, but none could be found. Let's read there in Genesis 19, verses 10 through 13. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house. I'm sorry, that's not the right verse. got something wrong here I apologize for that if we continue thinking about that Sodom and Gomorrah how bad things had really gotten in the city and so many things that had happened and we read in verse 6 through 13 and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was evil continually and it repented the Lord that he made that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the earth, was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth. And behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. I jumped to my next point, but it, it still goes along with the same thing. When things were corrupt, it repented God. And he sought and he destroyed those individuals and those cities that stood against him. You know, this is an evil, the things that we read about in here, that we've never witnessed. You know, when I showed up this morning, nobody stood against me coming here. Nobody yelled across the parking lot things at me. Nobody tried to prevent me from coming in here this morning. When we're done, I'm going to go to my vehicle and I'm going to drive home. And that's the way it's going to be. We don't have to worry about those things. You know, I think of even the stories that we hear about how things are in Nigeria. And there, there was uh, Yancey Jones gave a, gave a talk at one of the Brotherhood meetings about confidence. 
We have confidence in so many things that we do in this country. If I set out to drive to Amarillo, I know there's a road there and I have confidence I'm going to drive down that road and I'm going to go to Amarillo. They don't have that confidence. Their road may be washed out. Their road may have people there that seek to harm them, to kill them. In best case scenario, may have somebody there wanting to charge them a tax just to use the road. We don't face those things, do we? We don't face those things at all. And when it comes to our service to God, we certainly don't have people in this, this city that are going to stand against us. We don't see that in Wheeler, Texas, do we? I've been to Pampa. I didn't face any of that when I went to Pampa, when I went to Amarillo, to Plainview. I was in Dallas last weekend. I didn't see anyone pro trying to prevent me from worship. Those are things we just don't face currently. And we should have confidence in that and be optimistic in knowing that even though things are bad in the world, we can come here and gain strength from one another. You, know, you could say a lot of the problems we have now stem from selfishness and a lack of respect for others. If we look out there and you really get down to it, a lot of the problems we face come from that. But these people that we read about were so set on evil that there was nothing going to deter them. They had been given chances. They had been offered the opportunity. And they chose not to go in that direction. These people were so consumed by evil that even the angels that were sent couldn't change it. You know, there are many examples of how evil things were at times. Another very common story we read is the one about Noah. And when we think about him building the ark, we think about that story and gathering up the animals and going into the ark and being there. But do we recall why he went through all of this? Why did he work for a hundred years in an ark in a place that had rarely even seen rain? Because God was going to destroy the world. You know, somewhere in there, we forget that Noah's purpose in doing all of this was to flee a world that made God repent that he'd ever created it. That was the point of why he did that. In Genesis 6, verses 5 through 12, which we've already read, it says in there in verse 5, every imagination of, thought, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only on evil. You know, I'm, I moved through this town and I, I just don't see that. I don't see that in, in our surroundings. You know, when, when things happen in this town, we see people come together and they do good things. That was not the case at this time. Their thoughts were only evil continually. Every desire, every seat of mind, every intellect, and every purpose of these people was set on evil. I can't imagine being in that environment. That would be a horrible environment. It scares me just to think about that, to be constantly in fear, because this was the attitude. This is what these people faced. Now, these examples don't really sound like the society we live in, do they? 
when you really get down to it. Things aren't quite that bad. That's not to excuse the things that we do see. But we don't face a society that's only set on evil. There's a lot out there that all of us would rather not deal with. And I, I agree. There are some days that you just feel like you can't take one more thing. It just keeps coming. From the things that go on in our office or wherever that is, in our classrooms, whatever that is, it gets tiresome watching these things occur. And we see that when individuals can't push these agendas on people that show reference to God, they just try to remove God altogether. You know, they remove the Ten Commandments. They remove references to God in the pledge. They remove prayer in schools. But you know, they can't take that from us as individuals. They may remove these things from society, but they can't take them from us. The freedoms we enjoy that allow us to fellowship with the monitor and worship God are still here. And we need to remember that. You know, we read of some horrible persecutions in the scriptures. And I hope there's never a time that we feel that the Bible is outdated. Because many of those situations, while they seem so far in the past, they still apply today. We may think it doesn't relate to modern day society, but these situations can still have parallel examples. If you want to see societies that fell further and further from God, all you've got to do is look in the Bible. They're there. God never hid that from us. He's never told us that if you follow me, everything's going to be perfect in your life, because that's just not true. When we look at these examples, though, we should see that our surroundings are not nearly as bad as they have been at times. The thing I want to concentrate on when you do look at these examples is the fact that God was always with his people. Those that chose to serve him, he was always with them. You know, possibly one of the most sickening things to us in society is the rampant use of abortion in this country. We can't imagine that. And while I'm not aware of any direct references to abortion, we do find examples that are possibly even more repulsive. Beginning in Jeremiah 32, it says, Because of all evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned unto me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, that they have not hearkened to receive instruction, but they set their abominations in the house, which was called by Nina to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came into my mind, that they should be, do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. You know, as we study the Old Testament, we see time and time again, where the people turned against God. And they began to worship pagan gods. Two of these pagan gods were Molech and Chemosh. You'll see that one of the things people did if they turned to Molech and Chemosh was to sacrifice their own children through fire. Now how could you do that? How could you look at that as a society and not be affected by it? 
That's what was going on in these days. That people would turn to them and turn away from God. I don't know what state of mind you have to be in to do that. But these individuals were doing it. You know, it can be discouraging at times and even depressing to see how far society has gotten from God. And I think a lot of us do that. We look and we see how far things have gone and we see how far out of bounds that some things are that go on. But we don't see this type of thing. Not, not a, at least not out in the open. You know, these examples we looked at so far, from, they're from the Bible. And they paint a picture there that there have been times in history that were far worse than anything we see. Far worse. And they come directly from the Bible. You know, Paul recognizes this. The Hebrew writer does. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11. In this chapter you'll see he's almost like a motivational speaker. And I love this passage. Because he describes the faith of many people we first learned of as children through Bible stories. And he looks at them and he looks at the lives that they led. And he looks at the things that they did. And how they overcame adversity through their faith. In verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11 it says he speaks of the faith of Abel. And the sacrifice that he made. The faith of Noah that drove him to build the ark. The faith of Abraham who went when he was called not knowing where. The faith of Sarah who bore a child beyond her years. Of Jacob who worshipped even when he could hardly stand. Of Joseph, of Moses, and on and on. Of all of these different individuals that faced things far worse than us. And they did it in faith. They overcame an adversity that we can't fathom. And they did it because of their faith in God, in their service to God. That's how they did it. And that's how we'll do it. That's how we'll get through these things. You know, let's begin reading in the end of this chapter. In Hebrews 11, verses 36 through 40. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, the bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens of caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect." We see how bad it actually got for some of these people. They were mocked, scourged, imprisoned. They were stoned and slain. They didn't even have a home as they wandered in deserts and mountains and caves. In verse 38, it says, of whom the world is not worthy. That is so backwards from what we see today. Somebody that would almost be a nomad, just traveling from place to place, living in a cave. Somebody like that that would be held up. That's what these people were. It said the world was not even worthy of them. And that's how God looks at his people. That's how he looks at them. When they face adversity, when they face the things in this world, and they strive to serve him. These people had a faith in God through times we may never know. And when we become discouraged by events in society, we should think about these people and the things that they faced. 
You know, he continues on in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience in the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, set, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He understood he could become discouraged at times. And he said, consider Christ, which endured all these things. Christ gave his life for us, for the mistakes that we would make, for the mistakes that, that possibly are in our future. Christ died for those things. And he's saying here, consider that. You know, the last part of verse 3 is the point I want to make this morning. If we never consider the good that God has put in our lives, then we will be wearied and faint. And I'm not necessarily talking about the material things. The material things are so great. We're so blessed by those things. But when we think about the things that we've received from God, take it further than that. The freedoms that we enjoy the congregation that we have, the time that we can come together in fellowship, all of those things are things that God's provided for us. And we've got to be thankful for those things. There are other verses that we should consider when we're feeling this way, that society around us is just so degraded that we just can't seem to go on. In Romans 8, verses 31 through 32, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In Matthew 10 and 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are also not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that was able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, we've read these verses a number of times. But would they mean more to us living today than the people that read about them? If they could have read about them in Hebrews 11? Those comforting words that God's there. Jesus has made the sacrifice for us. If we live loyal to him, in, in service to him, then that's all that's really going to matter in the end. You know, I won't stand here and say that we don't see things around us that can be discouraging, because we do. We see those things. As we go from day to day, don't forget to look at how greatly blessed we really are. As we evaluate our lives, don't forget to remember the good things that we do for one another and for others. You know, I'm not saying we should be prideful for those things, but it's a good when we do things for others, when we love our neighbor, when we love God, those are good things in God's eyes. If we look at our lives and all we see is our shortcomings, then we're missing the point. It has to be more about more than that. And we've got to see the good things that are around us. In 1 Peter 3, verses 12 through 15, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is that? And, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? 
But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your, in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's a great verse, isn't it? Or a great passage. He tells us the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. All we've got to do is follow him. And his ears are open to us. How much more could we ask for than that right there? You know, we look at these things and we think, well, you just want to get away from all these things. We don't want to hear about these things. We don't want these things to be present in our communities. You know, there's a place that's like that. It's called heaven. You know, we're not quite there yet. But that's the ultimate goal. That's where we're trying to get to. And we can't accomplish that. But we've got to find the things that God has given us to be optimistic about if we want to reach that ultimate goal. I would encourage everyone to keep, keep your faith in God. Remember those who suffered before us. Think about those examples. And think about them as to what they really are. That God had destroyed societies for the things that they'd done. And eventually he's going to destroy this earth. And those that are, have been righteous and loyal to him in service to God those people just like they have been through the ages will be taken care of he will take care of his people and we have to understand that thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast if you'd like to know more about this subject or any other bible topic send us a message at our facebook page the church of christ wheeler area